Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Yahoo Sports NBA Podcast, hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews... Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring in Eric Spolstra. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes Store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the road. Chris Mannix. Yes. All right, special bonus podcast here. Um, I'm sitting here at the Celtics practice facility with now an ex-Celtic, a guy that spent five years on the Celtics bench as an assistant coach, seven and a half years as a player with the team. He's now the head coach at Evansville in the Missouri Valley Conference. Walter McCarty joins me on the podcast. What's up, Walt? Congratulations. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming out and happy to be on here. So just walk me through this this opportunity because – you know, here you are. You're a longtime NBA veteran. You're, you know, sitting on the bench on the coaching staff of one of the best teams in basketball, working for, I think, one of the best head coaches in basketball. Uh, you decide you want to go into the college ranks. Just walk me through your your thought process on why why college, why Evansville, all that. Well, I've always um, I've always wanted to be a D one college um, head coach. Even getting back into the pros, and it started with uh, Rick Pitino at the University of Louisville when I was there for three years. I just love the interaction, the teaching, the development, helping with young men, 
that's not just only on the court, but being that father figure and helping them get to the next step, next step, um, just being a success in life. And I really enjoyed those relationships. And, um, you know, getting back into the pros, um, especially coming back here to Boston, being with Brad and um, Danny Ainge, um, they both knew of my love for college basketball. And I always told them, you know, if the, the right job comes up, you know, I want to be able to take that job. And I'm, go- I'm going to be looking for college jobs while I'm here just so – you guys know. I said, I'm happy to be here. I love being here. It's a great job. And I could be here forever. But if the right college job comes along, um, I would love to be able to take it. So um, being at the University of Evansville came up and just knowing everybody there, you know, I started getting text messages. Hey, would you have any interest um, in being the head coach of this, of, of this school? And I said, well, um, just knowing a little bit of history and just knowing people there, if they provided me with the right resources so we could make it happen. And um, you know, got a got a phone call and um had some good conversations with the A D and that turned into like an interview phone call, which went really, really, really well. And um I think I flew in maybe a week, a week and a half later and just knocked it out. Mm-hmm. Your um your coaching experience is at the pro level. Um what do you know about the challenges of college coaching, recruiting. I mean, how how well versed do you think you're going to be to kind of hit the ground running at Evansville? I think I, I've been very lucky. Um, being at at Louisville for three years and, and working under Rick Patino, I think that I've been well well rehearsed. Um, even being here uh, with the Pacers and being here with the Celtics, I've always kept those recruiting connections. I've always I have really good friends and high school friends who coaching college and a lot of a lot of the guys that I know I've always kept those relationships I watch college ball all the time um, just to see what they're doing and you know I'm just always around it so um I think I'm ready I think I'm um I think I've been ready for quite some time and this whole time this is what I've been uh, preparing for the last five or six years and I think I'm gonna do just fine and um you know basketball is basketball but I think it's a different you know leading your own program so of course, uh, you know, I got to get out and shake hands and get in the community. Um, but the greatest thing about this is I'm at home. I know, I know every everyone. Mm-hmm. I know um, it's just it's just been fun to be back. It's, the whole city's excited. I think we've um, just today we've almost tripled um, season seats um, sales for you know our, for our arena, and that they they haven't had this many people buy season tickets in two years. We've we've tripled that amount already just in two or three days so the city's excited i'm excited and um i, th- I think I'm, I'm 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 ready um to take this challenge you know working for rick patino jim o'brien and you know now brad i think that i've been prepared and worked for some really good coaches evans bill as you mentioned it's your backyard there did they recruit you when you were in high school obviously went to kentucky big you know bigger program they they did indeed recruit me um it was my third school um the way that I played, I always knew I was going to Kentucky. Mm. I love um, Evansville's just as close as to to UK as it is to um, IU, mm. and just their style of play like sold me from day one. And if I knew if I could, if I would be recruited by Kentucky, that's where I was going. So um, UE would have been my third choice, but things would have had to go really bad at Kentucky and then Purdue for me to come to UE. How do you sell? Evansville to a recruit. What's going to be kind of your sales pitch, and what kind of kids do you expect to go after? Well, I just think our style of play, the way we're going to play, um, is going to be very attractive to kids. I think we have um, really, really good facilities, maybe the, the best facilities in the MVC with our own practice floor and eleven thousand seat arena. 
And um, I just think with my career, what I've been able to, um, to do in my career, and, you know, I think the connections to people that I know, I think that's going to be very attractive to players to come play. I think that um, Evans was a great city. We have um, great support um, from the from the city. And I think all of those things, you know, once kids start coming around, see the type of stuff we're doing, and seeing the support of the city and, and getting inside that arena, you know, most colleges don't have 11,000-seat arena. That's, re- that's really nice. So we're excited. I think that um, we have a chance to be a very special place. And I think with the way Loyola is playing right now, um, that lets us know, hey, we can be successful and we can get kids who want to come here and compete at this level. Did you, I mean, you play for Patino and, and, and you go to a big-time college, but when you're working for Brad, do you ever have a, any conversation with him about recruiting at a smaller school? I mean, Brad did a great job in Gordon Hayward. He got some blue-chip guys. Obviously, his coaching stood out, but did you ever have any of those conversations about the, the challenges and the kind of kids you go after at yeah, a smaller school? Yeah, we had a lot of conversations. Brad and I were... Um, I love Brad. Brad and I, we text all the time. I think we had a, we were on the phone yesterday um, before the game, about 30 minutes, just always talking about basketball and what guys you want to recruit. But, like, you know, Brad at, at, at Butler, like, no one knew Gordon Haywood. Like, he had tennis offers, and they were able to come in. And, you know, I want to recruit kids, number one, that enhances our culture, guys who want to be there, guys who are about team, guys who work hard, but also guys who are going to develop into being really good players. And um, I think that's what Brad did. Brad got players, guys who can play, but he was able to take their game to another level just through teaching and and just working on the proper fundamentals and just uh, recruiting skilled guys. So I want to go after guys who are skilled, who can play uh, many different um, positions, but guys who have a ceiling who who can get better and better and better. Uh, at their time at the university. So what's Walter McCarty's coaching style going to be? You you played for Patino, worked under Patino. That's one style. Brad Stevens in the pros, that's a totally different style. What's your coaching style going to be? Well, we definitely want to um, pressure the ball, um, wear teams down. I'm not saying full on press, but um, we want to push the ball. You remember how much fun that was as a player. It was, it, was <laughs> lo- it was a lot of fun, but you have to have the at- yeah. athletes and the guys <laughs> exactly. the bench to do it. So um, as we're building, we want to play fast and up-tempo. We want to push the ball. Uh, we want to shoot a lot of threes, but we just want to, you know, a lot of the NBA quick hitting actions that we, that we run here with the Celtics is what I want to do. Just ball movement, getting side to side, playing with skilled players who are all a threat where, you know, you have to guard all five of us. You can't just guard one guy, take one guy out. You know, we're, we're all threats and um, just playing through skill. Are you, I mean, how prepared are you for, for that kind of yearly grind that is college basketball coaching? I mean, look, coaching in the pros is tough too, but you know, there's not the recruiting part of it. There's not the, the, you know, it's coaching and not trying to bring in guys. I mean, are you looking at it? Is it a, a 24-hour-a-day type of job year-round? Oh, definitely. Listen, I, I work for Rick Patino, so I understand mm-hmm. um, what it takes. And um, I think working for him really prepared me, probably over-prepared me um, to be able to take this job. So I'm excited about the opportunity. And you know the energy that I have that that's – I can be up all night on the phone or recruiting mm-hmm. and doing whatever it is that, that I have to do in order to make this a successful program. But I love it. Um, I'm one of the, the few guys that actually enjoyed recruiting when I was at level. I actually enjoyed getting out on the road and um, speaking with speaking with parents and kids and just for me that was fun. I love creating those relationships. Um, you know, one thing for me, <coughs> excuse me, is I understand what kids I want to go after. Of. I don't need to get the top kids, although it may be nice, but I want to get guys who I can teach, guys who want to be here, guys who are skilled, but guys who have a ceiling um, to grow. 
Um, it's just not about recruiting. It's about being able to evaluate and you evaluate the kids that you need and how to get them to be the players, you know, teach them how to be successful in your program. So to me, it's, yes, we're, we're, um, we have to recruit, but the, the most important thing is we have to evaluate. What do you take away from Patino, your experience there that you take to the college ranks as a coach? I think I've, I've been, man, I've been very fortunate for the guys who I worked for. And I would say this is the same with Brad is the most important thing that I, that I take is that they're always, they're, their preparation, you know, you, you're not going to surprise them with anything. Um, if, if you've done it before, they've seen it. And just preparing your team and, and having them ready to play from an uh, opponent standpoint, but also with what the, the type of things that we want to do out there, guys are, are, are very prepared and able to execute. You played for, for Patino both in college and in, in the pros. Um, you're now working for Brad Stevens. Why, why, you know, they're two different types of college coaches, right? I mean, Patino came to the pros. It didn't exactly work out here in Boston. Brad Stevens has worked out and then some so far. What's the difference between those two coaches in the pro ranks? I think they approach the game kind of the same way from a preparation standpoint. Um, I think what sets Brad apart is this is relationship with the guys, but also always having the guys on par with knowing this is, this is what happened what's happening, this is what we're doing. But also, Brad is so efficient with the guys, with, with, with their time away from the court, with their time on the court. Uh, efficient with them um, getting their rehab or recovery or workouts. He's really, there's no wasted time with Brad. You know, we're on the floor for, whether it's an hour and 20 minutes or whether it's 40 minutes, rather those 40 minutes, He's very efficient, and we're getting to what exactly we need to do to get better. We're always getting better, no matter how long you're in the court. With small, he, he's he's really good at that, and I, I think that's one of, another thing that I've taken away from. You don't have to be on the court for two hours mm-hmm. or do this to get stuff done. This is this is what we need to do. Let's focus on this and let's get better and let's get out. From your perspective, um, a, a coach that didn't play the game didn't coach at a major college level or pro level, how has he been able to engender such respect? Because whether it's Isaiah Thomas or mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving or any of the guys that have come through here, it seems like they all have a high level of respect for him. Well, a lot of people don't know this. Brad was a player. Brad averaged like 30 points in high school. And, you know, he played at a small school, but which is a really good basketball school. Um, Brad is just, and you know Brad, but, for, but by me saying this, people aren't going to understand. But, like, when you're a around Brad, his, his infectious, his, his attitude, the way he carries himself, the respects that he has for other people. And it's like how he treats other people and he's always in constant contact and checking in and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to like, if you're a player, you're not happy with the time or whatever it is, it's hard for them to, to, to go the other way because he's done so much to not only help you but respect you. He's giving you all the things that you need to be successful. Now, whether you grasp those or you take those and run with it, it's totally up to you. But, you know, you know, Brad's a guy who he always takes the blame. If you lose a game, win a game, something goes wrong, even though it's not his fault or whatever, he never throws his guys under the bus. He always says, that's my fault. I got to have my guys ready. Well, this is my fault. I should have did this. And just the way he carries himself and how he prepares, I think guys see that and they respect that. And, I've never seen Brad disrespect or anyone ever. And I just think that the way he 
um, treats other people is, is really, really important. I thought Jim O'Brien did a lot of that too when he was in Boston, taking on the blame for for whatever something went right. wrong there. I remember when if Antoine went like over eleven, <laughs> it was good shots, all good shots right, that right. that Ob would put up. Can you take that? attitude and use it with 18 19 year olds does it translate when you're going from 20 and 30 somethings i think so i think the biggest thing too that that i've learned from brad is get to the next play you know you can't like you know you have to teach and get better and show them all right this is why we do this this is why we do this this is why we can't do this and players have to understand we're going to make mistakes but we have to be able to get to the next play and um you know have to be able to move on I think that's something he really does well. I think that's something his teams do really well. And I think that's why guys like Abdul Nader and Shimi Ojale and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're young, but they're having success. And people are like, how are they doing this? Because we know they're going to mess up. We know, but let's get to the next play. We're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to bring you in halftime and chew you out about it and say, well, you got, no, we're just, it's a teaching moment. Let's teach it and get over it and get to the next play. And I think he's really fabulous at doing that. You're gonna have to stop talking to other players on the sideline. You've you've been known for that, Walt. You've uh, you've got a bit of a rep that have a little a running conversation with some some stars out there. I know it must it, it, it must be so boring right now. <laughs> uh, Michael Shrewsbury t- um, texted me the other day. He's like, "Man, it's just not the same. No one talking to these free throw shooters." <laughs> but it was just fun, you know. Sometimes the, the games are long, and you'll be not you wouldn't be surprised, but people will be surprised how much interaction there is with players. Players come up and they say stuff all mm-hmm. the time about you being the former player, and just knowing some of these guys that it's just it's just it's just fun, and I just can't believe that so many guys would just respond and talk to me and like, listen, dude, I'm trying I'm trying to distract you, and you're allowing me to distract you, and it just became one of those things where it just. They look over and acknowledge me, and they miss, and you know I'm like, all right, I got you. So, what, what's your favorite conversation over the years <laughs> when you when you think of all the guys you've yapped with a little bit from that bench? Um, man, I just I, you know guys with you know Stephen Carey and you know those guys are shooting free throws and they're so good and you know man, your form is so great. Like you've never missed a free throw. Like your your left hand is just perfect. Like. You know, and they get up there and they miss, and they look over at me and just they shake their head. So, uh, one of the good ones was recently. Um, uh, we were playing. Um, I think it was Lance Stevenson, mm-hmm. and I had Lance. He was a rookie. I spent a lot of time with him, so we had a great relationship. And we're just talking, and he didn't understand. I'm, 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 I'm giving him praise, but at the same time, I'm trying to get him to be selfish and just try to take over, start shooting. And after a while, he comes back. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> so it, it, it's great. I've had plenty of conversations. You know, LeBron will come over. All yeah, the you time. don't shy away. Like yeah. from LeBron to Lance, it doesn't really matter who's out there. If you think you can get to somebody, yeah. I've mean, seen you. They all come over. Carmelo and you know missing the two free throws. Oklahoma City a, a couple weeks ago. Just you know, I'm, I'm riding those guys the whole game, with just talking and just. It's just it's just been really fun for for every guy. They all come over and say hello before the games, just from those little that those little you know sort of like taunting episodes, and mm-hmm. like we've we've become friends from it. And they know in the beginning of the game, like how many are you gonna give me tonight? I know you're gonna give me one, you know. And you know it starts with before the game, Carmelo and Russell. 
hey man, guys, just take the night off, man. Just get some rest. And you guys play back to back. Just take the night off. And it just starts and just creates this this long game, but just going back and forth and uh, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. Does it does it do the other coaches kind of look at what's going on there? And I mean, you're just having a running dialogue sometimes with these guys. I don't know if they know or not, but like a lot of times, man, if you if you watch us, we're over there cracking up because to some of the responses or things they do. And I mean, it's it's just not with the players; it's with the it's with the officials as well. I have a lot of fun with the officials. I probably should have been thrown out of thirty or forty games, but it, we've we've had a great rapport. They know it's all fun, and mm-hmm. we really enjoy it. Your, as I mentioned, uh, what twelve and a half years total here in Boston. Your your best memory of your times here is is what? I just think the fans, man. Um, you know, Tommy Heinsohn, just being able to, you know, as a player, just go over to Tommy Heinsohn's house and. You got Satch Sanders over there. You got Bob Cousy over there. You got John Havlicek over there. And just having this, just being a sponge, you know, just That's listening. pretty badass yeah. to, have, oh, man, to have all those guys in one. That's pretty oh, bad. It, That actually happened? All those guys kind oh, of? Oh, yeah. Like, all right. As a, player, like a little barbecue kind yeah. of? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, just sitting out in the backyard mm-hmm. and just, I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is like, this is awesome, you know? And those those experiences were better than any plan experience. People always ask me, I'm like, be able to get that knowledge and to to meet um, Bill Russell, just sit there on the bench and talk to Bill Russell about playing for 15 minutes or having conversations with Red Arbach in the locker room mm-hmm. and just all those guys are so great. And um, those are some of my most memorable, just those conversations with those guys. But obviously when we played here, we were, we were very young trying to figure it all out, um, just watching Paul mature and Antoine do what he did. Um, I think the most – most memorable things came off the court, mm-hmm. just being able to interact with fans and like those the former players, the former greats. Mm-hmm. You were part of the the Eastern Conference Finals team in 02, right? right? That was yeah, that and that you know, underrated year for this franchise because you know before then the '90s were terrible right. uh, for the Celtics, and that team with with you guys and young Antoine and Paul, I mean, just getting to that Conference Finals was a pretty significant accomplishment for for that Celtic team. It was, and it was also about you know, winning the city back over, like our fans, our fans really started to come out strong. And, you know, at the time it was the fleet center and the fleet center was loud. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just a fun time. Uh, we were building something really special and, you know, guys were playing hard, but guys were playing for one another, which was the Celtic way. Like you put on this Jersey, this it's about, about being Celtics. And, um, um, that, that was the start of that turning that around. Mm-hmm. Have you heard from Rick Patino since you took the job? I have, man. I text my man. <laughs> All the time, he's so ex- um, excited. You for want me. a job on the staff to no. come out to come out. I mean, it's near near to no, it's not far. Like you know, I think he's enjoying the good uh, Florida weather right now. Mm. What do you look for? I mean, this is your your first opportunity to put together a staff of your own mm-hmm. to kind of flesh out, um, you know, your, your own kind of operation there. What do you look for in a staff as you're kind of preparing a head coaching job? Um, basketball junkies, mm-hmm. um, guys who really know the game, but guys who are really good people, guys who kind of um, who are fun to be around, um, guys who I trust that's going to always make the right decision, you know, when they're away from me or um, whatever they, they're doing when they're recruiting. But, you know, the guys who just do it the right way, guys who know how to build a good culture, but guys who, who've been through the fire a little bit as far as from a coaching standpoint of seeing everything and um, just help me to be able to have my team prepare. But just guys who you love to be around, guys who can help you create that, that culture, 
that winning culture. So for people that, that aren't familiar with the task at hand that you have kind of in front of you, what's the state of, of your program right now? I mean, how big a job are you taking on? It was a really big job, um, you know, just trying to continue to fill out the roster, um, you know, possibly having two guys who may be leaving your program who um, were the best teams, from, um, best players from, from the year before, um, really getting your donors and your boosters and everybody excited about the program and um, trying to fill an arena, you know, that, that, haven't, that hasn't been filled in such a long time, um, trying to get the community uh, back involved with the university. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's been a lot, you know, but it's, it's been fun meeting new people and just doing it together. Um, they have the resources to be a special program, and they've been there. I've, I watched them as a kid coming to, you know, Aces games, and it was a lot of fun, and that's what we want to get, get it back to. Did you, I mean, as you're, as you're making this decision, you know, you're, as we mentioned, the, 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 the franchise that you're leaving, the job that you're leaving, I mean, was it a tough call to to make that move? Well, it's, it's a very tough call, and you know, especially when you have family and you have a, a daughter in high school, um, and just leaving my comfort zone here uh, with Brad, with Danny, with people I know. Um, they were awesome. This, this this organization is awesome from top to bottom. When you when you talk about Wick Rosebeck and Steve Packleyuka, and so on and so on to Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin down to Brad and our coaching staff. I've never had so much fun in basketball as a coach. Like um, we all support each support each other, but we all you know we get our work done. So from that standpoint, you know to leave that is scary, but it also t- shows me this is how I have to build my staff. This is how I have to build my program. This is the culture. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's a huge lesson for me. I'm glad that I've been a part of it because now I can go somewhere and feel comf- confident knowing that I know how, how, how you should do it. I know how to get it done. And if we can um, complement what they do here, you know, we're going to be successful. A couple of questions about your, your experience in Boston. Going back to the Patino days, the, the, that Celtic team – a lot of Kentucky guys on it from at various points. You, Antoine, Ron Mercer, Tony Delks, name a few of them. Why did it all kind of translate? Why, why didn't it come together under Rick with that group? Well, I think he one of those guys because we we were familiar with his system. We were familiar with him as a coach and how he worked. And the more guys that he had buying in would help with the other guys um, buying in. But I think um, when you're losing, it doesn't help. And at that time, we were very young. We were very young, and everybody was trying to find themselves with young players, you know, trying to find themselves, but also everybody's trying to get those contracts. And when you have those two, it's, it's not good because he's trying, to, he's, trying to, he's trying to win. He's trying to implement what he wants to do. But all the other guys, everybody has individual goals and what they're trying to do, and it just didn't work. We were so young. And um, it's just like, you know, watching Sacramento today mm-hmm. or watching Phoenix or watching these young guys just trying to figure it out. You have so, so much on your plate. And until you you get five and six years in where you understand it, understand what it's about, and you start adding these veterans and all this stuff, then you can start to really hone in like, okay, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. But we we were just too young. We were just too young. When he left the team in that middle of the 0-2 season. Was that a shock for you at that time? 
Um, I remember him coming up to me. We were on the road. We were in Miami. Mm-hmm. And, um, That's where he left after the yes, Miami game. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm warming up, and he calls me back into the locker room to speak to him, and he says, hey, Walt, this is my last game. And it was a shock. You know, it had been kind of tough on him because he, what he was accustomed and you know, a lot of run-ins with players because – I mean, it was tough winning and, I mean, excuse me, losing as much as we were. But it was a shock because I've never known him to step away from something. He's always came out on top. And I think that he would have if, if he would have just um, had a little more time. I think the bad thing is he wanted it so fast. And it just didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to build something. You have to build it the right way. And he wanted to win so fast. So, if he didn't think he could win with you, a player coming here, you know, he got rid of you. Mm-hmm. So there was never any continuity. There was never any um, carryover. You know, guys are in, guys are out, guys are in, guys are out, guys are in, guys are out. And it just made it tough. There was never any carryover. And I think he just wanted to do it too fast. and It, was, it just couldn't be done with a young young team like that. How much do you think the, the – I mean, you've been here long enough that you know the, the pressure that's on every team in the city to win. I mean, it, it's it's not like many other cities because if you don't win, you don't have a lot of grace period to to, to, to grow. How much do you think that wore on Rick during his time here? I think it wore him a lot because, you know, he's driven. He wants to win. But I, what I also think is that he put a lot of pressure on himself right away. And I think he would have came in and said, hey, this is going to take four or five years. Let's be patient. Let's get the team we want. Let's let these players grow a little bit. Let's try to see if we can get somebody in free agency. I think it would have been much different. But I think um, coming in, he wanted to do it right away, put pressure on himself, um, got into it a little bit with the media. I just I just think he just tried to do it too fast, and it didn't, you know, didn't work. And the other thing I wanted to ask you was, what was it like for you last year watching Isaiah do – what he did. I mean, it didn't end in a championship, obviously, but that I saw it from my vantage point, one of the most inspirational playoff performances throughout that, that I've ever seen. What was that like for you? Oh man, it was a lot of fun. We're so excited for him. Um, like the, the hope that he gave, not just the city and people around, but like the hope that he gave his teammates, man, mm. just the way he played. And, um, I love it. You know, he still texts me to this day. I love him. Is it was always it. No matter win, lose, he was the same giving, loving person, you know. Um, and he was going to stick around and face the media, whether he won, lost, or you just had to respect him. He's that type of guy that he just – you had to respect him because he was, he, was, he was always the same. He worked hard. He was in the gym looking at anybody. He really put the time in. He put the time in in the community. He, I mean, he just did all the right things and um, – I think people are even appreciated more for that because it was from him. It was genuine. Hmm. He did it because he loved to do it, and he understood um, the platform that he had, and that just made him even more special as a player and the things that he did on the court. He was playing. I mean, think about the physical pain mm-hmm. and emotional pain that he played through during that run. I mean, it, it really it, it won't go down in the record books because <laughs> the season ended the conference finals, but. If you were around it and and I and, and you were and you witnessed it, it, it really was something to see. Yeah, he's a tough sucker, man. He didn't want to come out the games. He played through pain and he'd get right back up. Go down, he'd get right back up. And um just you know, I, I just really respect him and commend him for what he was able to do. Just not for him, but what he what, what he did for us. You know, um we're not at the all star game, mm-hmm. you know, if not for IT. 
you know. So he's he's he was able to put us on the platform too as assistant coaches and you know with Brad just you know we we owe a lot to him. You going to uh, adjust to that lifestyle of, uh, you know, not the charter jets <laughs> there. I, I've heard, I know some college coaches that went pro, couldn't go back to college because they got a taste of uh, of this lifestyle. I've always been a humble guy. And uh, for me, it's not about the lifestyle. It's just about the people you're around and um, just being able to teach these young guys. And, you know, that's where I get um, my glory from, just being able to teach these guys and make sure that they have a great experience and help them on and off the court be um, grow up as men so will I miss this yeah but I'm fine it's not a big deal to me does your singing career continue back in uh, Evansville um, just only in the hallways okay and in, in, shower in the office, yeah. <laughs> in the office. <laughs> that's it but I've done that here like coming here um, you know I haven't recorded since like 2012 mm-hmm. so I understood like for me to be to reach my goals that you know do I, do I love singing and playing guitar yeah I can do that I can do that in my room but um, to be taken seriously and to um, accomplish everything I need to accomplish that you know, I can't be outperforming and, you know, I have to let people know that I'm, I'm serious about coaching and, and, and leading and running the program that that's what I'm going to do. You were telling me before we started this that your phone has been blowing up. And since we've been sitting here, your phone continues to oh, blow up. I, mean, I didn't know I had so many. I, th- I <laughs> thought I was a popular person. I didn't know I had so many friends once you once you can start hiring people. <laughs> See, you spent you spent years chasing a job, and now you've got it, and now you got all the people chasing you yeah. for a job with you. Yeah, it's no, it's it's. I'm, I'm not I'm not complaining. You know, uh, I've made a to some of the guys, friends who have head coaching jobs, and especially with Brad, I'm like, you guys didn't warn me about this. Like, mm-hmm. I knew some people would come out to Wilbur's and stuff, but it was just, you know, I'm looking at my phone. I got 200 messages. I'm like, what is going on? So, uh, but but I, 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 I get it. I'm, I'm not mad at people trying to hustle or trying to, you know, get a job. But at, you know, at the same time, you know, I have, I have relationships and, you know, I know what's going to work for me and, who I can trust, and you know, if I don't really know you, I'm not really mm-hmm. trying to bring you on because I, I I don't know you mm-hmm. unless you come highly re- uh, recommended from a Brad Stevens or a Rick Pitino or somebody like that. You know, mm-hmm. can you um, the, the 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 coaches that that you look for? I mean, do, do you go out there and look for guys that have been recruiting in that area? I mean, you, you mentioned the the passion for basketball, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what kind of guys do you lean on? Like those hardcore recruiters, the the, college, the guys with experience, extensive experience, coaching in the college ranks? Not at all. I lean on guys who can evaluate, and and it doesn't matter what numbers in front of their name. Mm-hmm. As you, this guy can play. This guy, can, he's skilled. He can help our program. We can get him to where we need to be as a team and be successful with him. So that's what I lean on. I lean on guys who I can trust. And um, guys who are just just good people, I think that um, if you can do that, you can be successful. And you know, these guys have been in college coaching their whole lives. The guys I'm looking at, I can't say names, but and they they know the game, they know how it goes. So, um, can you lean on your when, when you're recruiting? How much of an advantage do you think it is that that you can say you both played in the NBA, coached in the NBA? Because even kids that are are looking at Evans, everyone's mm-hmm. got the dream of going to the NBA. How much of an advantage do you think that can be for you? I think I do because I've been here and I know what it takes to get here. Um, also, you know, I also have to have the connections that you know if you're if you need to hear from an NBA um, 
some NBA personnel, something like, how good are you? Do I need to stay? Do I need to leave? What do I need to do? What do I need to work on? I can get that honest feedback and say, hey, this is what we have to do. And, you know, we can, we can work on those things. But I also think that, um, you know, for me, the connections that I've built along the way, you know, my phone's blowing up. I've got so many people trying to give me players and trying to say, hey, this player can play mm-hmm. this. And, you know, just watching a lot of film, and they're right, these some good kids. So I think that gives me an advantage that everybody – wants to have some type of relationship or help me out in some way because I've helped a lot of people out along the way and I've been a good person. I've done things the right way. And, you know, people know me from my playing days and people respect that, hey, he knows what he's doing and he's going to be a good coach and he's going to be able to put you in situations where you'll be successful. So I think um, just by doing it the right way and always being good to people that people are going to, you know, take care of you. Walt, you've had a great run here in Boston. Good luck in Evansville. Let's get back to the 9,000 texts and calls that you're receiving on this uh, on this day, man. Thanks for joining me. Good luck with everything, You man. got it. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.